We're calling Earth activists, get your vote out, make it count. Help protect Mother Earth, help protect the water. This guy goes, I need a job more than I need water though. And I was like, yeah, but without water, you're like, you're not really gonna live. And I was like, so you can't really have a job without water. So just help protect Mother Earth. Where he said, you want me to vote for water? And I said, yes, vote for water. <laughs> this is United States of Race. Personal stories of how our earliest memories determine a lifetime of relationships. Each episode features one guest sharing their experiences with race. Listen without prejudice to their real, uninhibited stories, because by sharing when we first learned we are all different, we find the common thread that shows us how much we are all the same. I'm your host, D.B. Crema. For Melanie and her community, protecting the earth and our water is a way of life, even if it puts them in conflict with others, because without it, there is no life. When did you become aware of race? Um, when we first moved to Wichita, Kansas, when I was in first grade through fourth grade, um, we moved to the ghetto there and my mom got a job there in a factory. So we moved there and we lived right in the middle of the, the black ghetto because I remember they had the tall um, apartment, brick apartment buildings. Section 8 housing. Yeah. And yeah. I used to think those are so cool. They're so tall. And then, but then right on the other side of the sidewalk was the Chinese. And we moved to this place and people would talk real different. And sometimes I couldn't understand them, but I was, all, I was all culture shocked. And that's when I first realized that there was a different race, but I realized that um, they were like us back on the res because they all lived together. The grandmas all took care of the kids outside in the neighborhood. The grandmas and the uncles and the aunties were all sitting on the porches with their, with all the kids running around. So I was like, oh, these guys are a little bit different. And I noticed the smell was different. Um, I didn't smell like fry bread no more. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody was outside. Everybody was hopscotching. We were all double dutching. Uh, they taught us how to double dutch. And it was all right. That's what I realized. I was like, well, there's other people in the world, but these guys are darker. And then these guys are a little bit different. But I couldn't understand either. I couldn't understand any of them because <laughs> mm -hmm. they talk different. But that's when I first realized. So basically, before first grade, you were always around people who looked like you. Yeah, pretty much. We grew up here in the country with no electric, no water. A lot of families stacked up on top of each other. And um, just, just mostly oh, native, just powwows, everybody eating together, um, everybody living together. And then the only difference with moving to the place where I moved was the colors were different. That was it. How did it make you feel? Because, you know, you saw people who looked different, but were very much the same in terms of community and family. But you were now, I assume, one of the few people who looked like you. Did you feel out of place? Did you, like, how did you feel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to fit in. Um, I was just hoping to be accepted. And they did. They accepted me. And um, it, was all, it was all right. It felt good to be there. I felt at really? home. I felt, yeah, I felt at home. We were able to go in and out of their houses just like we did here. Um, of course, they were always get mad, chase us outside, just like everyone else did. But it was all the same. So I didn't really feel any different. Um, I just remember wanting to, to like touch them to see if they felt the same to um, their hair. 
with mm. uh, with my with my black girlfriends I always wanted to touch their hair because it felt a little different then they touch my hair <laughs> mm-hmm. you know we, we would do stuff like that yeah yeah and I learned a lot of a lot of cool things I learned how to well double dutch it's just that was really cool because that's all we ever did <laughs> okay so like you think about how people talk about the ghetto and especially in the media when you talk about the ghetto it's always a very negative view of it right but you have a really positive view of it uh, I don't think we see it like that as kids when we're growing up. I mm-hmm. think only adults see it like that. Only adults see the negativity. And I think kids are just like, um, just now in the present moment. Yeah. So it's always really happy. What were you taught about being Native American? What did it mean for you as a child? Um, just to be nice to everybody. That was it. Just to respect everybody. Um, we were just raised just to respect everything and everybody. Uh, we went to powwows. Uh, we went to ceremony. We went to Sundance. Um, I didn't really learn about other races except for uh, white people. The only other race that lived here was white people. So um, we didn't really interact with the white people that lived on the reservation. Though. Um, hmm. Why were the white people on the reservation? Uh, they... They live here. They own a lot of businesses here. They own the stores. They own the gas stations. They run the schools. Well, I think they came first from the churches to bring uh, religion to the Native Americans. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But didn't you already have your own religion? Yeah, we do. But they brought Catholicism. Um, but um, we didn't go. We had uh, we had sweat. Uh, my grandfather was more spiritual. He was a medicine man here. He would lead all the sun dances here, which is prayer with the piercing through the chest, just mostly praying for the people. There's a big tree in the middle, and it's of self, the dances uh, of self-sacrifice, fasting. Mm. And um, so, tell me about powwows because I think powwows is something that everyone has heard of, right? But um, you know, I don't know that really we understand what it's about and what the purpose is powwows are a gathering they are meant for celebration and community gatherings and it's someplace where we can all get together and see each other and celebrate life and celebrate our culture getting to know each other of course it's happy there's music going there's drumming going there's um food you know and the and the bigger and the bigger powwows okay like the gathering of nations um the bigger ones are all the tribes coming together and um finding out what their tribes are doing, what they're going through, uh, what problems they might be facing, um, what's happening in their community. Is it going to come to our community next? Um, like with the oil that went to the um, Mandan Hidatsa, a Rikara tribe in Newtown, North Dakota, but then they got a lot of uh, trouble with the oil. So then our tribe got worried after like going up there and we're going to their powwows and we're seeing their land being destroyed. And then we're like, oh, shoot, is that going to come to our tribe? You know, so mm. that's kind of like what powwows do. So you're talking about oil. Are you talking about the pipeline or oh, pipelines yes. coming in? Yeah, and the pipeline's so coming what's, in. And tell me about that. Why Why are you concerned about the pipelines coming in? But we're worried about it because we don't want it to get into our water. Um, I'm only very passionate about it because I've been to a lot of other uh, places where there's water. Uh, we couldn't drink a lot of the water down south. 
and we come back home and the water is so clear up here and it doesn't hurt our skin. It doesn't give us rashes. Um, other places that I've lived, we can't drink the tap water. We have to go buy the water or there's mm-hmm. days or we have to boil the water before we drink it. But the oil, the oil, oh my Lord, the oil is going to ruin the water. And if the oil ruins the water up here, everything downstream is ruined. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm always like, <laughs> we want to drink clear water we don't want the oil in our water and there's a reason why the oil is so far down in the earth and they say keep it in the ground because there was a reason why it's down there it wasn't put up here with man we're like the oil's not up here with man there's a reason why the earth was created with with it being down at the core so why are we digging it up and and without water we have no grass we have no plant life without plant life we have no animals without animals there's no we're animals i mean (laughs) we're animals so we're mammals or whatever so i'm like without clean water there's nothing there's no life so if we ruin our water we're ruining us yeah but what about um the companies and the engineers and the government all say that you can take out the oil in a way that doesn't hurt the water or hurt the rest of the earth they say that <laughs> I'm sitting here I'm like they say that <laughs> they do they do okay <laughs> um I don't know I, we're the only species that tries to destroy its habitat why <laughs> every other mm-hmm. species tries to live in harmony with it and they only take what they need and they need to use but I'm like why are we such consumers just consumption up everything or whatever i'm like why do we do that we're just destroying it what does it mean to be an earth activist um how do you see your role as an earth activist and does that have to do with being native do you see those things being connected like yeah it's all around us um we're always talking about unchi maka uh, mother earth she is the one who provides for us she gives us life she provides our air she provides our water uh, we come from her and we return to her and we often say our ancestors my ancestors are in this land i have to be here like one day i was thinking about it and then i was just sitting out at, out at we're sitting down at the river and i was playing with the earth and i was like lifting up the sand and we we're just pouring it and i was like oh, so much prayers have been said down here this is sitting bull's campsite and I was like, so much prayers have been said down here. The people who were here before me are back in this earth. We do go back to the earth. Our grandfathers are in the rocks. That's why we take them into ceremony. We take the heated rocks into ceremony because they're in there. They're in the earth. And rock mm-hmm. only forms after it has been in the earth for so long. Like, that's why we're so crazy about protecting Mother Earth because... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us just feel like we come from the earth, we return to the earth, the earth provides everything for us. If we don't take care of the water that provides nourishment for the plant life and the animals, we will not live. So water is important. Um, Taking care of the earth is important, not to pollute it. So being an activist is important to me. I just 
But I, when I when we look at the grandchildren here, we're always like, is there going to be? Are they going to be able to sustain themselves once we're gone? Or the world going to be so polluted that we're going to end up leaving a big pile for them to clean up just to survive? Hmm. It's important. It's important to um, take care of the future, not just us. Hmm. We don't own the land. We are just borrowing it from our children, hoping to leave it in a better in a better way for them or leave it the way we found it but that's not the case it's not happening like that mm -hmm. we're just destroying everything and we just become a bunch of consumers and our our elders and us we all talk about uh leaving not such a mess for them not mm -hmm. not, not not what we're doing mm -hmm. not this do you ever feel like being an activist to you know protect and preserve the earth puts you in conflict with other races Oh, yes. Yes, that happened at DAPL. <laughs> um, Dakota Access Pipeline. They built the pipeline right above the Standing Rock Reservation, right like where there's the Standing Rock Res and then there's the state. Well, there's this, mm -hmm. this unceded territory that's the Army Corps of Engineers. They own the land. The U United States government owns that land that's in between the res and the, the state land, there's this empty part. It's a gray area. Mm -hmm. And that's why we fought because um, it's not theirs by their by the law that they say that the land is theirs, the state law. And it's not the reservation, the land that has been put aside for us to, to be on or put on or whatever. But uh, so it's that gray area. They put the pipeline up there, but it's right next to our reservation line mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of our uh i mean it's right on the river we live right along the river and it crosses the river the main stream the missouri river it's the main blood vine blood vein that runs down through the center of the united states and it's right next to us so we're like okay so if the pipeline bursts we're going to be the first to know we're not going to have any water but we're not only just worried about us we were like, everybody downstream is not going to have water. It's going to pollute everybody's, and we're talking everybody down south from North Dakota down. Mm -hmm. So it's going to pollute everybody's water. So then, then it's going to hit the ocean. We're just like, we're just thinking all these things. And we're like, no, this can't happen. They can't put this oil here. It's not that important to have oil. So why are we putting our land at risk and our water mm -hmm. at risk? So we're like, no, this can't be. <laughs> so we fought and it and it put us in a bad position and it's a touchy subject here now. Um, it brought a lot of conflict between us and the government and the state side, just trying to protect mm -hmm. the water. So mm -hmm. yes, it does bring conflict and it does it does affect us. Oh, but we're still gonna fight. <laughs> we're still saying, yeah. you know, don't do it. <laughs> the way you talk about um your relationship to the earth and the need to protect it is, is different than a lot of other people talk about it. And your world is, is oftentimes in conflict with the rest of the world. I should say the rest of the world is in conflict with your efforts to live in harmony with, with the environment. Um, 
I don't know. We live in the country. We where we live, it's the country. Um, it's scary to go out and walk because there's there's mountain lions, there's there's wild animals out there. There's and if you have to depend on being out there for a whole day, which I have, I've gotten lost <laughs> just last year. <laughs> so uh, I got lost out in the woods and I couldn't find my way out. <laughs> I was like, um, and I remember thinking it was hot that day, and I was like. I was like, yeah, we really do need clean water. <laughs> it's like, I can't even drink it out of here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was so hot. Just being outside with all the elements, the water, the dirt, the, the plant life. You're reminded how minuscule you are in the grand scheme of things. But yet also it reminds you the importance of, you know, every it takes every single drop of water to make the ocean. It takes <sighs> each of us to make this this universe everything you realize how small of a person you are how how defenseless you are <laughs> in in this whole in this whole grand scheme of things cuz you're like you get out in the woods you're like oh i'm really mm-hmm. nothing <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah. i'm as fragile as that branch or whatever you're like i just became not the top of the food chain but now i've moved down <laughs> And maybe people in the city, how they can understand how important nature is, is to just really seriously just go get dropped off somewhere and have to survive out there and see see if you can find clean water. So maybe um, leave your cell phones, leave your car keys, and just get dropped off in the wilderness somewhere and find your way home. <laughs> and then you'll see how important it is to take care of something so fragile because you become something so small. Thanks for listening to United States of Race. This podcast was produced by me, D.B. Crema. Our artwork is designed by Ali Creative and our recordings are done via Squadcast FM. With everything being remote these days, Squadcast delivers studio-quality remote recording for all your podcast needs. If you love great storytelling, you can follow United States of Race on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And show us some love by rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also share this podcast with your friends and anyone who believes in the power of building connection through sharing personal stories. And you can follow us on Instagram at all one word, United States of Race. And as always, if you, yes, you have a compelling story to share and would like to be featured in an upcoming episode, send us a message at United States of Race at gmail.com. Until next time. <laughs>